Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women, and today we're speaking with Simi Petroda, and she is an attorney with the American Medical Association, a senior assistant general counsel, actually. Sumi has a number of years of experience being an attorney, and she started her career working at the very esteemed firm Sidley Austin in Chicago. Fun fact, that was the firm where Barack Obama and Michelle Obama both worked and met. She let me know that fun fact. Simi has a lot of things that she does um, at the AMA in the area of privacy as well as technology. She also has is the founding member of the Women's Inspired Now, which is the employee resource group for women. Sumi's going to talk a little bit to us about that and also spends her time as a yoga instructor. So Sumi, welcome to Inspiring Women. Thanks, Lori. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Terrific. Well, let's get started. So Sumi, you and I have the opportunity to work together and that's a very exciting thing for me. I really enjoy that. But why don't we start with what you're doing right now? Sure. Thanks, Lori. I am happy to speak about that. So currently I'm back to practicing law after taking a brief sabbatical a couple years ago. And I am focusing mainly in the area of data privacy. So my, my role is kind of overseeing the area of data assets. And of course, in my support of various clients and, and business units throughout the organization, I bring that specialized focus of data privacy as well throughout. Well, and I think that you do a fantastic job. That's me. But, you know, what I like to do on Inspiring Women is just provide for other people, the listeners, you know, what are the career progressions? How did you get here? Did you always want to be a lawyer? You started off with a Bachelor of Science before you got your law degree. What drew you to the law? Yeah, thanks, Lori. And it may seem like that's a straightforward question from your end. Um, did I want to be a lawyer or not? It does seem it's not the typical path to get a BS first and then pursue the law. But for me, this is um, this is also just a very complex question that involves many various elements. Uh, for one, my cultural identity plays a big role in all of this, that the culture, my Indian culture has helped shape me as a professional and as a, an individual. So being Asian American with Indian roots and immigrant parents, there's, you know, obviously a stark contrast between the Indian culture and the American culture. And I grew up sort of in the divide between these two. And within the Indian culture, culture, there's still surprisingly, there are a lot of chauvinistic tendencies, uh, less so today, but 
in the environment that I grew up in, women were certainly considered subordinate to men. And so that has played a huge role in shaping who I am today and sort of the things that I've, I've chosen to pursue. And when I look at the progress of women within the US, and Laura, you and I have worked through many of the these areas of progress together um, and have witnessed many of these areas of progress together, I compare this to the, the Indian culture, which I'm rooted in, where there is very much slowed progress. And so because of these cultural aspects um, that I was raised in, there was always this deference placed uh, to those generations before us and this sense of respect and deference to elders. And the net effect essentially is there's this tone of do not challenge the system, do not challenge the authority. And so my BS degree, I can actually proudly say this, is a point in time reflection of who I was in, in that process of not uh, challenging the system. And of course, I went on to evolve and uh, generate my own concept of who I wanted to be within my own culture. But you know, that that is just that BS degree was my succumbing to some of the inertia within the Indian culture. IT is very huge in India. It's considered safe. My parents are both in IT. Uh, so while I enjoyed reading and the arts and writing, I did pursue that that BS degree. So that was not intentional. Um, neither my uh, BS degree nor my pursuit of law, which I then went on to uh, pursue. But then what was intentional was I was always attracted to this idea of the Renaissance woman. So, so deep knowledge and understanding across multiple subjects and, and deep passion across multiple subjects. So it turns out that um, you know my passion for technology, science ties very well with uh, a lot of the, the writing and reading and deep critical thinking analysis that I do in my current profession, my current role with my training. So I, all in all, I'm, I'm very proud with um, coming closer to that, that ideal that I had as a child, this Renaissance woman. So in, that's a great description. And so in terms of that progression with immigrant parents who are rooted in IT being a safe profession for um, Indian women and then moving to the law, were they supportive of that? Or was that sort of a challenge that you had to sort of work within the family dynamics? Absolutely, they were. And I think they, they, they wanted to see me succeed. And while having immigrant parents, they, they were not they did not necessarily know or have the tools available to them to be supportive in the way that I needed. Like they couldn't provide guidance. They didn't know what it was to be a lawyer. They didn't have, we didn't have family members that were lawyers, but they knew that they wanted to support me. And to me, that was, that was all that I needed. And, and uh, that support was tremendous. Well, support networks are a really big deal. And let's talk a little bit about the career progression. So you've been at the AMA for a couple of years now, but you also left for a stint and then came back. I've seen that with many people who make career choices like that. I call that sort of a boomerang uh, kind of thing. So you made some choices there. What happened and why did you leave, come back? And what did you learn across those different choices? Sure. Thanks, Lori. And I think, uh, well, some of you may know this to those listening out there, but after 10 years of being a lawyer, I actually left my legal career to join a startup company as general counsel, but of course, wore many different hats during that time. I was really drawn to the entrepreneurial energy, the, the freshness, the aliveness, and the fast-paced nature of the entrepreneurial world. And I, I 
did well in that role. You know, I was, of course, chief operations officer, general counsel. I did a lot of marketing sales as well. And one of the things that I learned in wearing those many different hats is that I, I, absolutely enjoy being a lawyer. I love the letter of the law. I love the application of the law, the academic aspects of it and connecting with clients to build solutions that revolve around the law. So it actually turns out that in law, I already have many of the things that I was looking for in terms of that freshness, aliveness, and and fast-paced nature of things. And this is not, Lori, a story about lost time or regrets. This is a story more about taking leaps and um, taking leaps specifically on a path that's not necessarily a straight line, if if that's what you need. And it's also a story about finding your people. And Lori, you know, our general counsel, Brian Vandenberg, uh, you know, he is one of the people that I have found and identified with. And I was actually transitioning out at the time when he was coming in, but I Immediately when I met him, I knew that he would be in he would be one of the people in my circle of trust. And so had I not kept in touch with him, had I not stayed invested in him in the same way he stayed invested in me, I would not have found this opportunity back at the AMA. I would not have completed or or found my path back to to the role that I'm in right now. And so even if you're not in the same space, just continue those investments. Well, I like that advice because I think that, you know, for women in particular, always continuing to build your network. So it's wonderful that you pursued um, opportunities that were fruitful for you, that gave you learning opportunities, that allowed you to expand your skills and grow um, in your profession, but also you continue to keep the network being built and investing in that network is terrific advice. Let's talk about some of the other things that you tend to like to do, Sumi, and you um, you have a newsletter for privacy. One of the things that you um, are known for at the AMA is that you are the founding member to create the Women's Employee Resource Group. So I want to just tell a little story because that is, you know, when I first met you, we were having a coffee and you just wanted to um, have a community of women. And we were chatting about that. And that just seemed like a great idea. There were not employee resource groups. Um, at the time, and then it became a thing. What drew you to that? What, why the desire to do something extra than just your day job where you're pretty busy? Yeah, and I'm smiling, Lori, because the coffee that you and I connected over, that was actually one of the best things that happened to me at the AMA. I mean, just the the energy that was created from that discussion that ultimately led to the creation of our women's group, Women Inspired Now, that was, that's was that been one of my um, greatest experiences here within the AMA. And what really led me to, to you know, have that discussion with you and then subsequently others within the organization is, is of course, I talked about the the being raised in a male dominated culture, but also professionally, I've always been the minority, whether it's as an Indian woman or just as a woman generally. And so working in the technology space, and then even in the legal profession within the technology space, I was always, I was sometimes the only woman in the room, oftentimes the only woman in the room. And don't get me wrong, I in a room of men, I feel safe. But in a room of women, I feel energized. And so I thrive off of that energy and connecting with other women 
And when you look at the cultural revolution of women in power taking place today, things are constantly changing, right? There's nothing static about that. And it's it's ever evolving, ever changing. And so we as women, I feel the need to constantly be reinventing and redesigning what we need and, and actually more specifically the space that we create for ourselves based on what we need. And so that's sort of um, the discussions that eventually formed the Women's Professional Development Group. And I specifically want to identify this as a professional development group because there are, you know, of course, social groups out there, but within the WIN, Women Inspired Now, we focus on professional development specifically. And one of the things that you created, a lot of times um, when I speak with inspiring women like you, they talk about mentors. They talk about people who were there to support them, to help them, to give them that really direct guidance on difficult decisions that everyone faces as their career progresses. You created something called mentoring circles. Tell us about that, Sumi, because they've been very successful for so many women um, of the AMA. Sure. So the mentoring circles was a, an initiative that launched last year and it was tremendously successful. The concept is instead of relying on one-on-one mentoring connections that may sometimes feel forced, we create small group environments for women from different levels, from different groups, um, from, you know, different stages in their career to come together and discuss things, whatever they want to discuss, you know, each, each mentor circle sets their own goals and their own path. And that actually opened up and facilitated a huge opportunity for us, as you know, Lori, with transitioning to our work from home environment in the pandemic, women were still able to connect with each other and thrive on that, uh, the connection they built with other women. I think it's been a terrific resource, and I and I think that the more those type of opportunities get created for women, they're just extraordinarily um, helpful. Let's come back to some career kind of things, Sumi. So you are doing a bang-up job. You have had plum assignments um, at many different organizations prior to what you're doing now. Where do you see yourself going? What are the next big challenges for you as your own career progresses? Sure. So I think... Going forward, I am really looking forward to, of course, redefining the space in which we work. We're dealing with a lot of history within our organization and history in terms of how we've always done things. And so breaking out of that mold and refreshing the way that we view things and do things as an organization, as a team, as the legal team, I think is what I'm really looking forward to. Well, I think the more you stay focused on that and just, you know, continue to dive in. I mean, you talk about yourself sort of having a micro view of details with a macro understanding of some of the larger issues. I think that also is a really good approach. But you're also, I would just say, a younger person. Maybe that's just a comparison to myself. You have a you have a family. Um, let's talk about balance. And, and a lot of women who are very focused on their careers um, at the early stages, they have challenges with how they fit it all in, whether they're a power mom or, you know, just trying to find some balance. You do yoga. I mentioned that. What, how do you keep your balance? How do you think about that, Sumi? First off, I will say that being a mother, I view as an incredible asset to my profession. It is through being a mother that I have learned really 
mad at problem solving skills. I've learned to be patient beyond beyond belief, uh, beyond even my own comprehension. I've learned persistence and then handling crises sometimes seven times a day. So being a mother, I view as an incredible asset. And specifically being a working mother, there are obviously infinite number of commitments that come with that responsibility. I view this as a privilege. And you mentioned, Lori, yoga, meditation, that gets me about 50% of the way there. But I also think that balance is a subjective term, and so is stress. So a lot of this is in the eye of the beholder. It's important to manage your own perception of stress because it's easy for stress to overtake your space. So, so just managing that perception and, and reconfiguring the way that you think about things. Do I really need to read every single word of this memo? Or can I perhaps delegate it to someone and get the summary? So also being smart in the way that you go about your work. I, um, I actually like to create systems that minimize fatigue. I do this both at home and in work. And that also helps with a lot of the burnout that tends to happen specifically with the work from home environment. Um, and, and I can go into that in a little bit more detail, but, but really it's, it's around the concept of, of building your, your network at home, building your network at work. Um, I do this at work through mainly through accountability buddies. So I have two team members that I rely on. They tell me when I'm going beyond my scope of what I need to do. As women, I think we oftentimes take on more than we need to because we we are constantly striving to not necessarily prove ourselves, but to be relevant in the discussion. And that's something that that's always been important to me. But if we're doing it in a way that causes burnout, then that's not particularly healthy. And so having those accountability buddies also to provide just general advice has been extremely valuable to me. At home, I like to have this structure in place so that I know my kids are safe and protected and well. I do this through my nanny and through multiple layers of, of caregiving, a caregiving network that I have. And then I, I like to create rituals at home. So a cool down ritual that I actively involve my kids in so they can be part of the process. I can look at them and identify and associate a stress-free environment in, in including them in that. And then of course, there's always when in doubt, there is um, when everything else fails, there's also a ton of gelato in the fridge. And so that's how I deal <laughs> with balance. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, you know, we've uh, it, through the course of this pandemic and working from home, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of things being written right now about burnout, burnout in a new way of um, just trying to deal with and cope with work. And there's also a lot of writing about how women are bearing the brunt of um, the responsibility at home with children at home, whether it's schooling or things of that nature. So these rituals, these structures, and maybe like a ton of gelato, um, are, are they always working? How do you how do you deal with the ebbs and flows of whether the rituals that you are creating are really addressing the burnout that you may or may not be feeling at any point in time? No, of course not. Of course they are not always working. And that's not how it was intended to be. I mean, just viewing this as a dynamic process and giving yourself some flexibility is always important. You know, I I sometimes 
have to, to if I if I want to balance across all aspects of my life, I have to you have to really own the fact that not everything is going to be at 100% because you don't have 300% of yourself. And so being intentional that perhaps on certain days, I'm not going to be able to participate in this, um, you know, this training that I really wanted to do. So that's going to have to go. And then being able to prioritize in a meaningful way. And perhaps even at home sometimes, talking to my children to let them know that I really want to be there for them for you know a particular occasion or to go play outside with them when they really want to. But I, I do have things to focus on, not meaning that, that other aspects of my life are more important, but really owning and controlling that, that intentionality of it is really, really important and critical to me. And Sometimes I'll have good days. Sometimes I'll have terrible days. But either way, I like to have the intention and and control the way in which I process it. And that, to me, has made a big difference in terms of how it's internalized. Well, you have a lot of great advice in there, Sumi. And I like the way that you're thinking about all of these different choices and how to set up patterns or ways to interact with your family that also accommodate giving yourself a break. Um, that's a thing that women certainly have time uh, have trouble with um, at times. So this has been a really terrific discussion. Sumi, as we close out here, do you have any just sort of parting advice as we this audience is women who are learning from others, just other advice for um, younger, aspiring, inspiring women um, that you want to give us? Absolutely. The first thing I would say is just embrace your journey, the ups and downs, the places that fall outside of that straight line, and owning your leadership style. I have a leadership style that is not necessarily typical. I'm not always the loudest voice in the room. I like to, to be thoughtful and provide my contributions in a meaningful way that makes sense to me. And so really avoiding that thought or idea that leadership means one thing or one type of style, a style that's attributed to those before you or a style that's attributed to people you aspire to be like, but really owning and embracing your own style because that's how you will thrive and you will succeed as your own leader. And then another piece of advice I would share is something that you've taught me, Lori, and this is something that I've seen time and time again in working with you, and that is don't just ask for what you think you'll get, but ask for what you think you're worth because I think we as women oftentimes underestimate, undervalue what we what we want and we end up negotiating against ourselves. So go all out, go above and beyond and you will end up in a good place. You have to have trust in, in that process. Well, Sumi, I think those are great pieces of advice. This has been a fantastic discussion. This has been Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I have been speaking with Sumi Petroda and thank you so very much. Thank you, Lori. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.